Hello, everyone. Welcome back to This Is Not About Your Body. I'm Jesse Neeland. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about some uh, political stuff that has been really present, uh, sort of social political issues that are coming, coming up right now. Uh, it's not going to be a very uplifting episode, I'm sure. Um, again, sort of a content warning if, if you're in a sensitive place or not able to um, healthily receive content about things like the gun restrictions uh, and shootings and uh, etc. cetera, uh, go ahead and skip this. The thing is, though, you know, my podcast is about body liberation, right? Uh, things like this matter. Um, I do try to the best of my ability to navigate uh, the, the political lines for example, like uh, I've written about abortion before. It was actually a couple of years ago. I've written about um, Trump being elected. I wrote about um, Kavanaugh's uh, hearing. I don't know. I mean, I, I write about these things because they matter so much to me and they matter so much to uh, our relationship to our bodies that that I can't not write about them. But I do really try hard to make sure that I am being thoughtful, not, uh, not just parroting talking points. Like I always try to learn what I can about a topic and, um, engage on it thoughtfully for anybody who might be on the fence, for anybody who might be in the middle. I try to invite people into a conversation that is, um, very mindful, very grounded and, and not let it sort of spiral off into the incredibly divisive edges, even though, Undoubtedly, I mean, I am a, a fairly extreme progressive in my own right. Um, the work that I do, I do believe, is for everybody, and so I don't want to become like a body image coach for progressives. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I want to be able to access people, and I want them to be able to access my work. So it, it's difficult sometimes, honestly, to know what to talk about and when. Um, because frankly, body liberation is so political. You, you can't get away with saying that it's not. So anyway, that's my little preamble to why I wanted to talk about this today, because frankly, I am at a bit of a loss. Um, I grew up in upstate New York, uh, not too far from Buffalo. So the Buffalo shooting was already, uh, felt very present for me and, you know, within a few days, we had the Texas shooting, and I just I I'm I'm at a freaking loss. I I don't even know where to begin to talk about this because I know that most of the people listening to me are also um, fairly progressive, and I, I don't want to preach to the choir, and I don't want to just pour pain on pain. But on the other hand. What I see in the coverage of this kind of um, event is a lot of talking about funding police more, as if the solution to a situation like this was, you know, a more 
armed or trained militia. And that immediately takes us into so many different spaces that matter, so many different political topics that have to be talked about. And it spirals out really quickly into a complicated web of um, divisive topics, you know, so it's really hard. And I happen to have um, very, very close people to me happen to be uh, conservative Republicans. So this is something that I think about a lot. I, I struggle with a lot. I try very hard to understand where they're coming from so that I can speak, uh, again, intelligently and connectively to two people on the other side of the line, but it, it is absolutely devastating to me. I just watched this, um, it was from 2018, I think, this Roe v. Wade documentary. And um, I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately. Um, and this one, you know, it didn't even cover the most recent stuff going on with uh, repealing Roe v. Wade, but it it, it just laid the groundwork uh, to sort of more intelligently understand how we got to this place, how abortion didn't used to be a religious issue, just a Catholic issue. Um, or I guess I should say it didn't used to be a Christian issue. And how it has been used to unite the Republican Party, how many uh, Republican politicians have changed their stance. You know, earlier in their careers, they would say they were pro-choice, but then once it came down to it, they needed the pro-life movement to back them, and so they would switch. And it's just, it's so upsetting. Because we're so willing to regulate women's bodies, people's bodies who can get pregnant. We're, we're willing as a country to pour all of this power and energy and emotion and money and time and labor into fighting against a woman's or person's bodily autonomy, but not you know, it, uh, allegedly to protect unborn babies, right? It's all about saving babies, God's babies. It's all very religious. Um, saving God's babies, basically. But once those babies are born, screw them. Send them off to, to school and let them get shot. That doesn't matter because we have to have the right to bear arms. Which, by the way, the more I learn... Um, about this stuff, I mean, I, I didn't realize until fairly recently even that the Second Amendment never even mentions a person's uh, individual right to bear arms. It was never about that, literally never mentioned at all. It was about uh, a state's militia having the right to be armed. And again, remember that like this was at a time that the guns they were using were like... <laughs> Not what we have now, you know? So even if even if you wanted to be really strict about interpreting the word of the Constitution, I would say, first of all, it never guaranteed individual rights to own guns. That's just not in there anywhere. Um, second of all, it, it would need to be updated even if it was, you know, because our guns have been updated. Our technology has been updated. It is no longer you know, like a rifle that you load up, shoot, and then load up again, right? Like these are extreme tactical warfare weapons uh, 
that are essentially being unregulated, whereas a person's um, access to contraception is being regulated, you know? Access to the Plan B pill is being regulated, and definitely access to life-saving healthcare in the form of abortion is being regulated. So I just don't understand, like, who do they think they are fighting for? Because it's not, it's not people. It's not, it's not even kids. It's just not. And, and I, in this documentary, it talked a lot about how the Republican Party is the party of life. The, theoretically, that's what they sort of say. But they're not, you know, they're the party of mass murder, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and I realize that people who are passionate about conservative values, they are focused on different issues than I am, right? They don't see what I see. We can't see each other's side. And even though I try, you know, I might say something like, um, police are disproportionately killing black and brown people in our country, and therefore we should have less police. Also, police literally only became invented as a concept to protect slave owners from loss of property. So, hey, maybe that is not a system we want to be upholding and continuing to fund. Maybe we should take all the money, which is a lot of money, by the way, and put it into other programs. Programs that help people rise above and, you know, have a better quality of life and, and be put in a position with less mental health issues and trauma and um, disadvantage so that they can do all of the things that we want people to do. Programs that allow people to thrive. I mean, ultimately that... That is what we're, that's what we want, right? And the Republican Party seems dead set against that. They're like, okay, well, we'll save all these unborn babies, but after that, it doesn't matter to us what happens to them. And in fact, after that, we are going to really blame them for their lot in life. You know, if it's a if if it's a baby of color, then we're going to. Um, treat them differently as they grow. We're going to disadvantage them in all of these different ways. We're going to be cool with uh, the slaughter of children as the, the natural and common sense exchange for the right to bear arms. I don't know. I think in these moments, I'm somebody who really wants to understand. And I can't. I can't understand how anyone at this point would back the Republican Party. Now, obviously, there are some people who, who just outright are like, I don't know. I mean, they wouldn't be listening to my podcast, so it really, frankly, doesn't even matter. But there are some people who I know are, are so far across this spectrum that nothing I say is going to connect with them. But I'm talking about the lots of people, the many, many people in the United States who vote Republican 
or maybe even who just are liberal, maybe they vote Democrat, but they're sort of closer to center. And I can't understand how you can defend or support keeping things this way. And I realize it's complicated, right? Like when we talk about defunding the police or even abolishing the police, there is no clear plan of action. We would have to make one. But we can't make one until everybody agrees, hey, the police are not the solution. And to see in a moment like this how bad the police have screwed up in this Texas shooting, you know, that they were outside for 90 minutes and didn't go in and stop the shooter, that they, um, that they arrested or they, they handcuffed a parent for trying to go in after her own children, that they lied about it over and over in their reports knowingly. <sighs> like, what are we doing? How is this defendable? And I realize uh, a lot of times it's the sort of systemic versus a few bad apples thing, you know, like I will say to a Republican person who I know, um, doesn't this just show you that we need to be finding another way that funding the police more is not the solution. And their answer is, well, but if we had armed guards at the um, door of every school, then shooters would be dissuaded from going in. And this is, this is, again, really backwards logic to me because, A, we know that the police disproportionately harm people of color. So basically what you're saying is, I'm okay if more kids of color are harmed. Um, that just isn't acceptable to, to me. But also, it, it is this idea that, like, dominance... Everything must be done through dominance. That there, you, you must show strength or you will be dominated. And this is very patriarchy. This is very white supremacy and colonizer. It is the mindset that dominance is the only thing that can keep you safe, is to dominate someone else. So with that in mind, it does make sense for people to say, oh, we should dominate these shooters. We should make them feel unsafe because they'd be coming up against so many trained gunmen, armed gunmen, you know, which <laughs> I don't know. It just, it feels like such a misunderstanding of the human psyche, such a misunderstanding of humanity at all. It, it reminds me actually a little bit of like um, the sort of quote-unquote common sense that was involved in uh, punishment and discipline of children in the past. You know, the idea that, like, you have to beat a child to make them understand. It was common sense. You dominate the child, and then they can't dominate you. You know, you, you win. You assert your dominance over a child, and they will be a good person. And in the last decades, we're like, discovering, hey, actually all that does is traumatize the child and make them less of a good person in the long run, more likely to enact more traumas on their children and on the world. And that actually children are much better off with a more kind of comprehensive um, compassion and connection-based model of parenting than the discipline, punishment, and control version of parenting. 
but we just figured that out like recently, you know, and it's still up for debate. I still know people who say the good old days was when you could like spank a kid and keep them from ever stepping out of line, you know, because there is still that mentality that dominance is best, that dominance is the only way. And it is seen as common sense to the people who believe in it. And it is seen as cruelty to the people who don't. It's seen as psychosis, I think, to the people who don't. Because, like, what the hell? It's so frustrating that a person's view of humanity could lead them to this. A view of the human psyche that's just so wrong. That's not how we thrive. Now, if the Republican Party were to be like, we don't care if humans thrive. All we care is that they stay alive. Well, even that would be so suspect. But... um, I don't know. I would kind of respect it more if they were like, thriving is not for us. We, we don't care. We will traumatize as many people as we need to because it's more important to be alive than to thrive. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that would be worthy of respect. Like, yeah, we're going to ruin all of these people's lives who don't want to be parents by forcing them to keep pregnancies they don't want or to, you know, strip them of their ability to make decisions for themselves uh, because that doesn't matter. The important thing is life. I don't know. <sighs> anyway, the thought of just armed armed guards at schools, uh, first of all, nobody has the funding for this. Anyway, this is just a ridiculous hypothetical garbage argument. But, um, you know, teachers are already like buying their own supplies for their kids because schools just don't have enough money. The answer is not to fund more police people. It is, if anything, to, you know, again, redirect that money that is being channeled towards the police, towards programs that actually help develop people who are thriving and, I don't know, towards education, towards mental health services, towards anti-poverty legislation, that kind of thing, towards anti-racism efforts. Like, there's a lot we could do with that money. But the idea that more military essentially means safer kids doesn't consider the psychological impact of kids who are doing drills where they practice hiding under their desks for if a, a shooter walks in. It doesn't consider the psychological impact of walking by armed guards every day. You know, it may seem like common sense to the people who are saying it, but it's just not. And there are other ways to go about this. Like this dominance is the only way idea is wrong. And we've seen that in the parenting model. Why are we not seeing that in the policing model? Dominance is not helping. It's not helping. And for a lot of good reasons too. Like it's not how we're wired. <laughs> the program was screwed from the beginning because it was literally invented the police um, program, the, the, the police were invented to track down escaped enslaved people for their slave owners. I mean, what on earth would make us think that that kind of program could be salvaged? What on earth would make us think, ah, yes. Now that's okay. We've, we've altered it. What on earth makes us think that it's the, the right people to send into like a domestic violence situation is armed cops and not mental health service providers? 
Like what on earth are we doing? And I just can't wrap my head around it. Why anyone anywhere would support what is happening right now. And when I see what's going on in the government too, like a lot of people that I know, actual people, um, are anti, uh, or are, I guess I should say are pro-gun regulation, right? Like background checks and things like that. Those are so universally wanted. But our government, our elected government, won't do it. Why won't they do it? Because uh, NRA, because money, because capitalism? Pretty much. I mean, there's no other reason because it's not for the will of their, uh, the people that they represent. And I would say something similar goes on with police. Like, I, I don't know enough about it to speak on that intelligently, but there is a lot of money being exchanged on a political level because people want power, I guess. And I just, I don't know. I, I think it's indefensible and I'm, oh, I'm just struggling. Um, I mean, if we just go back for a moment and say like, <laughs> actually this is a totally different direction, but apparently in Texas, it's technically illegal to own more than six dildos. Uh, and the reason for that is because there's two separate things going on. One is that um, there's a law that says you can't own, if you own more than six obscene objects, um, then you will be considered a person who has intent to sell. And if you do that without a license, it is illegal. So it's illegal to own more than six of the same, quote unquote, obscene item. Now, there is another piece of another law somewhere that... Uh, considers dildos and um other sex toys to be obscene items so technically if you own more than six dildos in texas you are doing a criminal act meanwhile you can get as many guns as you want i mean wh what what is happening why is this happening and i know so many of us right now feel powerless about the gun thing and about the abortion thing, and it just kind of keeps going and going, and it's this awful, awful feeling of sliding back into like Victorian values in what was supposed to be the most progressive country in the world. We are now so, so, so not progressive. We are being, as far as I'm concerned, we are an embarrassment in the world because every other sort of peer country, as it were, has moved on to to the future and we haven't we're still fighting for the past what the hell and also I had the thought like why would anyone be regressive ever like literally every ever anyone if you just look at the history of the world there's never been a time where we're like ah yes we were super progressive when we like I don't know invented electricity but then a whole bunch of people fought back and said electricity was bad so that they forestalled us for like two decades and then and then they won that's never happened right like anybody who is regressive against new technology or new, uh, most of this comes around values, like the, the pushing forwards of new progressive values. Anybody who was regressive in those spaces lost. You know, like people fought to keep slavery legal, but they lost. Was there pushback and regressive values? Yes, but they lost. We moved on, you know? And like, 
this is going to happen too. Like the entire world is going to have moved on. Why would anyone fight to keep it the way it is or fight to go back when the future is the future? We are going to move toward progressive values. I just don't see another way around it and I don't see the point of fighting it. I also don't see the point of fighting it insofar as like, what are you, what are you defending? What do you think you're defending? Uh, okay, well, I feel like this is a useless podcast. <laughs> I guess I would invite if you, if you are a Republican or conservative who is in defense of um, no gun restrictions, or are in defense of uh, making abortion illegal, I would like to hear from you. I would like you to find me on Instagram at Jesse Neeland and just shoot me a DM and say, and say that you listened to this episode and that you, what your stance on whichever topic is, where you're coming from, and, and that you'd, you'd be happy to share your opinion because I really do want to know. I think the more people I talk to, the less uh, rambly nonsense I can make on topics like this. So I, I'm, I'm, I would love that. And to everyone else who feels the same way that I do, that this is just like a dystopian nightmare, um, I'm just there with you. You know, this is horrible. It's horrifying. It's gruesome. It's heartbreaking. The racial implications just seem never-ending. You know, um, the way that different shootings are portrayed based on the race of the shooter. I mean, there's just, it, there's just so much to get into and it just is a, is a nightmare. So, uh, I guess that's it. Oh, and you know what else though? Other topics that I need to hear if anybody ever has a, a thoughtful defense on would be like not teaching um, sex education, abstinence-only education. Could you please explain that one to me? Because if you don't want people to have abortions, you should probably teach them about sexual health and then provide contraceptives, no? I mean, just none of it adds up. You know, none of it makes sense. And so much of it is tied to God in a way that is just makes me want to scream because like... I thought our whole country was based on this really, really powerful and progressive concept, the separation of church and state. And yet politicians have to get sworn in uh, with like the help of God, you know, like there's language and um, everything for presidents and everybody else to get sworn in. When you take an oath, uh, when you say the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, you know, like it's all it's all there. And, and we were supposed to not have those things be linked. It's just, in, again, it's indefensible. How do you do that? How do you say, oh, God says my kids shouldn't learn about such and such because our whole country is like, hey, let's keep those things separate, right? Well, at least we were supposed to. Obviously, we don't. Um, and likewise, trans rights, trans kids' rights, transgender rights in general like how does anybody say no no we're we believe in life but those people don't exist and should be punished and have their lives ruined like what the f um well this has been depressing ramblings 
I, I would love to hear from anybody who connects with any of these topics. And in the meantime, I'm just going to keep making content and uh, hoping, hoping that things feel better, that there is real change. I mean, this, this does seem, the Texas shooting does seem to be the first time that um, there is a less of a division, less of a political division around demanding accountability by police. So that's cool. Um, because they were so sort of objectively uh, incompetent. So maybe things will continue. Um, you know the drill, you know. Donate, call your representatives, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, but I... <laughs> thank you for listening. I guess that's all I can really say about this today. Thank you for listening, and um, I will be here next week. And that's it. Hope you have a good rest of your day.